Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education. It's one of the great education acronyms of the past 20 years. STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Sometimes you can get even fancier by throwing an A in there for arts and you get STEAM. Now, it's been a hot topic of conversation for many years, but it's something that is difficult to define and even tougher to figure out how to integrate into the day-to-day workings of teaching and learning. That's why I brought in Lauren Tarshish. She's the Senior Vice President, Editor-in-Chief, and Publisher of, of the Classrooms Magazine Division at Scholastic, and Patty James. She's the Vice President of Science, Math, and Art at Scholastic to discuss how one of education's great curriculum companies approaches this subject. Scholastic is in the midst of a launch of a new classroom resource called SuperSTEM, to meet the urgent need in classrooms for integrated materials that strengthen science, tech, engineering, and math, all at the same time while supporting growth and literacy. I think you'll find their insights enlightening. Have a listen. Okay, well, Patty and Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for having us. We're thrilled to be here, Kevin. So, you know, STEM, the acronym, education, of course, is just filthy with acronyms, right? You can't go too far. It's one in my years of covering the space, which it came came about a long time ago. And it's something that's always kind of been in the language of educators, but I've always found it to be that thing that people will nod sagely about, but not actually see it in action in their day-to-day. And I guess as we start this conversation too, it's important to talk about what I call BP or before pandemic, and after pandemic, because unfortunately, so like everything else, there there are big changes when it comes to having a conversation about this. But Patty, maybe we can start off by you talking a little bit about what STEM means, uh, what STEM means to Scholastic and, and your work, and what that means now that we're thankfully seemingly coming out of uh, our, our pandemic years here. Sure. It's interesting that you mentioned that because initially when we were at the outset of, we have we have a new publication coming out, Super STEM. It's launching now. It's in the hands of teachers all across the country. They're piloting it. We're doing pre-sales and we're going to be officially hitting classrooms with this magazine, Super STEM, Scholastic Super STEM in September. And when we began our research on this, what you just asked me is one of the first questions that we actually asked all the teachers that we were talking with. We had focus groups, we had phone calls, we had school visits. And the big question that we had for them was, what is STEM to you? We wanted to know, did they think of it as discrete things like science, technology, engineering, math, or do they think of it holistically, STEM, a way of thinking, a way of proceeding in the classroom with this very integrated approach? And what we learned was wonderful. It was that they do see it, they, they've come to see it as a very integrated approach in the classroom. And for us, what that meant was, you know, okay, so we've, we've got a magazine coming out. How do we integrate all of these subjects when teachers quite often are still tasked with teaching a particular content subject matter in their classroom? So they have to teach maybe decimals or they have to teach ecosystems. You know, they're following the curriculum standards and those standards can still be very discreet. So how do we deal with that? How do we help them deal with that? 
And so we came up with this magazine, Scholastic Superstem, where we decided, you know, we're Scholastic, a literacy company. So we decided that the power of story should be behind everything that we do. We created a magazine where they can read about about the science, technology, engineering taking place in the world with professionals and really introduce students to those stories and then kind of use that as a launching pad where then they we direct them to a digital component where they're then really engaging and bringing in all those subject areas. So we have activities where they're drawing in on those math components, they're drawing on the science components. We actually extend it to STEAM and include the A for arts. We're bringing in that creativity and create that holistic moment for them. And I can give you an example. Yes, please. So in our, our prototype where we were just creating this magazine, trying to get feedback from teachers, one of our articles was an interview with an ice cream scientist, Maya Warren. And she talked to the readers um, about how she applies chemistry and physics and technology in her job as a scientist who's creating new ice cream flavors. So we introduce students to her. And then we also talk about the states of matter involved in ice cream. And that's just our introduction, right? Just to really get kids to see that STEM is everywhere, even ice cream, something that they can connect with and love, hopefully. (laughs) But then the teachers can go online and they can get all these different materials. So for instance, we have students create whipped cream looking at how do you, what are the ingredients? What are the steps to create whipped cream? Then students take a step further. How do you create ice cream? And then we have them think about inventors. You know, how would you invent a new ice cream flavor? What would you, would you maybe sample a population? Like figure out what type of ice cream flavors are popular right now. Um, So we, we talk to them about sampling research. And then for that, then they have to start creating graphs. So they've queried X number of people about their ice cream preferences. Then they create a graph of those. Then they analyze the graph. And then they go back and they brainstorm an iterative process. They can they can try some ice cream flavors and then they can go back and survey people again. Would you like this flavor? And then graph that. And then, and then we're connecting it to the math classroom, not just with graphing, but like through money math. Now, suppose you've created an ice cream shop and you want to sell the ice cream flavors that you created. What would you charge for different things? And then we're introducing students again to the money math, you know, making sure that they know how to make change with the dollars and the cents. So it's a very integrated approach. Yes. Yeah, so, so the answer there is that it is kind of a, a big picture holistic approach to this where you're integrating it into every day. So it's going across subject matter. It's not something that you're just tacking on like, okay, now it's time for STEM. It's just like STEM is kind of baked in to the day-to-day. Yes. And that was a big approach with Scholastic Super STEM was that we were hearing from teachers. We were hearing a number of things. We were hearing that they definitely want to aspire to teaching STEM. So they, they have that aspirational instinct, but they were finding challenges in terms of time and resources and you know where can they fit this into their school day and they knew that they needed this integrated approach so they wanted to be able to introduce stem throughout the day it could be in their ela lessons in their math you know their core math lesson um it could even be when they're talking about social studies so they they saw that need and scholastic super stem does reflect that approach 
Yeah, and I think you know, watching Patty's team go through this whole process, Kevin, was in- inspiring to all of us because for our division, Magazines Plus, really where teachers, our deep value is in creating really engaging, extremely exciting, highly rich and robust, but super flexible resources that combine print and digital and really enable teachers to fit them in wherever they need to, want to. And the most exciting thing for us, sort of our dream, when we nerdily fantasize together about how we see our resources used to their fullest, it's really this kind of beautiful web that's created. So as Patty said, you start with a single interview with an ice cream scientist, a young woman who has this cool job. And then you, Patty, you know, then all these different pathways that teachers and students can go down. And then we have other resources that we can imagine, okay, now they're going to want to learn about the history of ice and understand what it was like before refrigeration. So let's now look and think about in our communities, what it was like here before, before there was electricity and, and freezers. And our mission is really to be enabling teachers to follow their curriculum, their standards, meet their standards, build their skills, but to provide resources that enable them to take kids on these really exciting, engaging learning journeys. So they can follow it exactly as we set it up, as Patty's team has set it up, or they can be feel empowered to follow their kids' curiosity or their own inspirations to take kids to places that are beyond what we could even imagine. Yeah, it's and it's very much within the, the kind of the grand tradition of scholastics supplemental resources, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just everything from social studies. So it's just another kind of category that's in there. Let me ask, are there different approaches, I'll, I'll assume, to the different grade levels? And are you focused on one particular, whether it's secondary or, or primary? Right now with Scholastic Super STEM, that one is targeted for grades three to six. Uh, we also do, Scholastic does have other titles within that STEM portfolio, but they currently are distinct. So we have Science World for grades six through 10. We have Scholastic Math for grades six through nine, and we're opening it up to STEAM, Scholastic Art for grades seven through 12. So right now we are still taking the approach of, and this is in the moment, right? We're taking the approach of STEM for that elementary teacher where they're teaching quite often all of the subjects in that one self-contained classroom. In the middle and high school levels, again, at the moment, we do have them separated out by subject still for those teachers who are strictly teaching math or just science or just art. But we'll see where all of that goes in the future. Sure. You know, one other you know major aspect of the last couple of years, even beyond the pandemic, where a lot of new realizations about social structures and underserved communities. And I know that in the materials I've been reading about your efforts is is an idea to bring in some underserved communities that for years have not been given the opportunity to be presented with STEM as a as, as a subject. Talk a little bit about your efforts there. I mean, it's it's something I see in the education space in general when you look at the rewriting of the SAT tests and and just a, a new understanding of where other people are coming from and their abilities to to get and consume content. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I would say Scholastic has a rich history. Um, It's embedded in our credo to welcome everyone into a subject area, including STEM. I think for Scholastic, we recognize that that STEM is very important to everyone. But we also see that the science and math scores are going down. We recognize also 
the importance of STEM. STEM jobs, STEM professionals have higher salaries, they have higher job satisfaction. So we want to make sure that every student can see themselves, whether they end up in STEM or not, we want to at least make sure they can see themselves as a future STEM professional. So with Scholastic Super STEM, we are definitely taking an approach which we call inquiry for all. That's what we have named it internally, inquiry for all, which is that we want to make sure that every student can access STEM, both again through those through the power of story, but also through the activities. So we are very careful and methodical in the activities that we choose. So an engineering challenge or a science uh, investigation, we make sure that the materials are easily obtained, are not cost prohibitive, so that we you know we don't know what the resources will be at a particular school. So we want to make sure that everyone has access to those types of materials, and. If by some chance, even with our due diligence, if, if some if somehow a school still does not have access to those materials, we're creating um, slideshows and hands-on videos so that a student could watch the activity, make observations, even if they can't do it on their own. They could still see how it's done. And also, we're very careful in who we're choosing to interview. So we're making sure that we are reaching a wide range of people from diverse areas of the country, diverse backgrounds, you know, so that every student, again, can can see themselves reflected in the magazine. We also interview students, a lot of students. So again, we're, we're going to all different types of communities and interviewing all types of students. That's great. Talk a little bit about, and it, it sounds as if the materials are intended for individual teachers to find and to use. Now, is there a strategy in terms of implementing these materials at a school-wide or at, at a district-wide level? And maybe talk a little bit about the differences, again, before pandemic and now for the use of all of your materials in terms of teacher agency, you know, like that April of May of, of 2020, when everyone was handed their laptops and they go home and, you know what, we won't have to worry about assessments this year. So try to keep your kids engaged, try to keep your kids happy and with a sense of safety where there was a lot more teacher agency to create their own lessons and and to do their own thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Lauren, I feel like this might be a great one for you. Sure. You you bring up a really interesting an interesting dynamic which is that very often we have about 15 million kids using our resources and it breaks down to anywhere between 350,000 and 400,000 teachers more or less from pre-K up to high school. You know, and through all the different content areas. And the story, the, the traditional story of magazines is that, again, they're really not magazines. They're these, they're very rich and in, an incredible value for like, you know, $8.99 subscription per student. You literally get, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of original creation stories that we're creating. Our team is creating. We're not licensing it. We're writing them, you know, exactly for those kids that we understand through all of our, our school visits and contact with teachers. And then we're instructionalizing the stories um, in a multitude of ways, providing them on multiple levels, creating videos, slideshows, audio, all this material. So the typical story to answer your question about teacher versus up to district is we have teachers who are our evangelists. Mm -hmm. So 
teachers buy our resources because they are affordable and because they can justify them off, you know, often as a, a low cost supplement and they kind of bring them in and then they find, and I, I know I sound boastful, but I am the biggest evangelist for what we create and what these teams do is that they tend to be, they get results. Um, the kids, a typical story is a classroom in third or fourth grade will use one of our resources and suddenly those test scores go up because the kids are reading more and they're doing more of the activities and building knowledge and practicing their comprehension skills. And then suddenly the other, the, you know, the administrator says, well, what's going on in that classroom? So you'll then find that that whole grade level now starts using the, the, the resource. And we do have districts that have adopted our ELA magazines, for example, as something close to a core based on the experiences that teachers have using them. So I think that the there's a really interesting question about teacher agency right now, which I think we're all puzzling through because of science of reading, definite hunger for more evidence-based practice. So I think that that there is right now this this moment where I think some teachers are fearing that their agents, they're not going to have as much agency perhaps, but we have not seen that um, with our magazines, thankfully, in terms of, you know, how our renewal rates are incredibly high and we are seeing more and more district sales of our, of our resources. And I think Patty's team's decision to create super STEM is fueled in some ways by, again, our, we have we have a very close relationship with the teachers in our classroom. We're we're very much out there. Sometimes I kind of feel as though our resources are in a way crowdsourced because we're getting we get so much feedback from our teachers. You know, we're constantly hearing from them. And there was a need. So what our power is is our ability to very quickly, I mean, this was this has been an enormously deliberative process for creating Scholastic Super STEM, Patty's team has undergone, but it's pretty quick compared to what publishers will go through for, you know, creating a core product. So in a year, basically, you know, the planning, the creation, the prototyping, um, it was able to take place in response to a need that teachers expressed and districts are expressing for a an integrated STEM product, not only for that STEM, but also with the understanding in places like Texas and other states that are really focusing on knowledge building and the critical, really getting much more focus in the content areas as mm -hmm. a means to boosting literacy, especially with this, the research, the science of reading research showing that a child who is steeped in an area like STEM, you know, that really is reading a lot in science and technology and engineering, also in social studies, that that is going to directly connect to their, their reading comprehension and their their skills as a reader. So all of those different, I know the question was about teacher agency. I think that teachers, we find that administrators in the context of our resources are very receptive to the experiences that their teachers are having, the success that their teachers are having with our resources. Great. And I know the uh, probably the most difficult part of my job in this conversation is to end it. We could go on for a long time. It's such an important and wide ranging topic. But to wrap things up, uh, maybe I'll ask both you, Patty and Lauren, to talk about with the launch of this in the fall and the work that you've done, where do you hope to see SuperSTEM and this project in, say, the next three to five years? What are the hopeful effects that you're you're aiming for? I hope that every student has super STEM in their classroom. I really do. I feel like 
there is such a need for it. As Lauren said, we heard that from our teachers. And I just feel so passionately that by introducing students to these amazing jobs, these amazing stories, introducing students to young change makers, I just feel like those are such powerful stories and will give inspiration to students to pursue STEM. And that's that's my goal is, you know, for them to pursue STEM or at least feel confident, engaging in the conversations that include those subject areas. Right. I know where ice cream came from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Lauren, we'll, we'll leave you with the last word. I echo what Patty said, and I would add that this is a very granular point, but to me, it's super important as so many, since the content areas have really been squeezed out of elementary classrooms with the focus on literacy skills, which of course are critical, but the loss of that, the loss of time in the classroom to do STEM, you know, to really, to learn about inventors, to have hands-on activities. I think it's been a profound loss on so many levels. I mean, certainly when it comes to literacy scores, I believe that the, the, that has contributed to the decline in test scores, the, the loss of the content areas. But I also think that to Patty's point, just exposing kids to opening their world, connecting them to inspiring people and and giving them a sense of a horizon that they can be a part of. That's my hope is that a resource like this could really have an impact on classrooms, teachers and kids in a multitude of ways. Well, it sounds like some great effort has been put into this. Congratulations on the upcoming release of it. Thank you for the work that you do. It's important you know, to have these sort of resources for teachers and ultimately for the students. And I hope we can follow up with some great success case studies. So thanks again, ladies. I really appreciate your time today. And that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.